0: Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and you're listening to Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. In this episode, I speak with comedian and podcaster Jake Flores about his experience with depression and anxiety and hereditary mental health issues. Here he is talking about making your mental health work for you as a creative person.
1: I mean, there are limitations. Like, you're just, you're never going to be a perfectly, like, zen person or whatever. But I look at that sort of shit, <laughs> and I do recognize it as, like, a pattern in, like, fights I get in with, like, you know, friends and partners and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I am, like, um, I don't know. I'm always somewhere between looking at flaws that I have and then going, okay, do I either try to fix this, like, a, uh, like a person that goes to therapy or something or sublimated, Mm -hmm. which is what the creative type person does is go, you know, all right, I had to have this thing about myself. Uh, I fucking, you know, need an outlet for these long winded stories I have. Okay. Well I'll do stand-up comedy. I'll make podcasts and stuff. I mean, that's to me, that was the Mm -hmm. original, that, that was my original approach to sort of just dealing with, uh, you know, these sort of parts of my personality that aren't entirely compatible with uh, you know I don't know just everyday life or whatever so I don't know I don't know if I want to fix it
0: this podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon you can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller if you become a patron at the one dollar level you'll have access to bonus episodes and archives of Blank History Month a historical comedy podcast as well as select episodes from the archive of Elevator Pitch. This podcast is also brought to you by Company of Fools. They're currently doing live readings of plays called The Plague Plays. You can find more information by going to Company of Fools Theater. That's theater with an r dot com. I'd like to thank Billy Conahan for use of the track To Be or Not" off of his album Leaping with Intent to Fly available on iTunes. Let's get to this interview. Um, so you started doing stand up in Austin, right?
1: Yeah, Austin, Texas. Yeah.
0: Uh what was that scene like and what led you to that choice? Um so I
1: started a long time ago, I think, before stand up was particularly cool. Mm-hmm. Uh it was a lot smaller of a thing. It wasn't there weren't like kitschy movies about it and stuff. <laughs> um I I had moved to Austin, Texas uh, to go to college and then sort of dropped out of it and was real down and out. Nothing to do, you know, rock bottom, end of your rope, all of the cliche uh, turns of phrase. Um, uh, And I just, like, I remember there was like an open mic at like a local club. There were like two. There was only two in town, which is crazy because now uh, there's a freaking comedy show at every bar. It's, you know annoyingly pervasive <laughs>
0: yeah
1: but, uh i just happened to live near one and it caught my curiosity and uh you know i the thing i had been interested in though in like my own life um i grew up on like mitch hedberg and you know all the alt comedians of that time you know but also like i don't know man when i was a kid i loved like nick at night and like uh, yeah. old sitcoms and stuff so like i really liked comedy but uh it didn't occur to me to to attempt it and until I just was in this really life when I was like, you know, 19 or so, uh, when I just figured I had nothing else to lose, I guess is where I started with this. <laughs> sure. I still think yeah. like, this is incredibly weird that this is a thing that played out in my life. Cause it's like, it's pretty stupid. Like it's pretty, pretty ridiculous thing to have pursued. Um, mm-hmm. maybe I'm like kind of a serious person in that I think of it like that. And I think that's why I kind of clash with a lot of comedians because, like, people at the professional level are coming from a way different point of view where they're like, no, this is normal and good and, like, you should do this. Um, But, no, I mean, I just took a weird crack at it and then it, you know, it really stuck. I really liked it and I ended up sort of uh, building my whole life around it and making a lot of lifelong friends doing it and stuff. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I was around this scene in Austin that slowly grew into this huge fucking thing that exists today and then eventually i came up here to
0: new york yeah um why did you move any other than just career wise if there was any reason um
1: no no i mean yeah i don't know i really like grew up with stand-up in austin and uh but the, the entire time i had this like kind of um what do you call it like a uh, like a like a de- deadline or like a countdown, I, I, like mm-hmm. a clock in my head, you know, like a um, what's a yeah. fucking word I'm looking for? I a lot of people when they pursue something as dumb as stand up, they you know go, oh, I'm gonna give myself three years, and if I'm not making money, then I'm gonna try something else. Like the people, yeah, you tend to be able to rationalize it in those terms and uh, make it um, something you can at least explain to other people or not feel crazy for if you're if you're considering it some sort of experiment like that. And like for me, it was more like when it started when I was like 19 and then I spent, you know, my 20s doing it in Austin and I think it's pretty understood. It's a pretty American uh, uh like value or uh, understood concept that – you know your 20s are this time in your life where you're free to dick around and sort of yeah. you know twist yeah. in the wind and try different things out and uh you know no one's <laughs> only psychopaths are you know starting facebook and shit like that when they're like 23 most people yeah yeah you know are <laughs> free to just like kind of live so like there has been a lot of time there um you know, learning to be an adult and stuff in the just with the mm-hmm. backdrop of this comedy scene thing. And, um, yeah, then when I was about 27, I remember I was thinking, well, all right, like at some point, th- this is going to get a lot more real of a situation. And, like, you know, I should probably figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. And so I figured there was sort of a calculated, uh, you know, risk or maneuver I could make where, I could go try to, like, actually do this professionally. And then, you know, if it doesn't work, fucking go back to school or something like that. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, I didn't even lean on that as, like, an out too hard because I'm a pretty bohemian person. So, uh, mm-hmm. I I also, like, was just genuinely curious. Like, I just wanted to get, I, I love packing up my bags and going and moving somewhere else and just seeing what the hell sure. shit's like. And uh, so, I figured, you know what, I'll take a crack at it who knows 27 is a good age you know you're coming up on like 30 but you still got a few buffer years and yeah uh, yeah you know and i landed up here and then uh honestly like a lot of a lot of stuff changed like and that just happens when you get older i started to sort of realize like when i turned 30 that like that is not really the end of the road at all and uh also given the way my particular generation's like material <laughs> um <laughs> circumstances played out uh it sucks we're all poor and broke and are, we have no future but that also there's also a freedom in that like no one is really yeah. yelling down my neck to go you know to law school or something <laughs> like that it's just an sure, understanding sure. that we can't fucking afford it. So, um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you're going to be unemployed, you might as be unemployed in your own field, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter. And, like, you know, I spent uh, a lot of my time learning, like, uh, you know, trades and stuff like that just to scrape by during the day. So, like, um, I feel pr- I'm pretty scrappy. I feel pretty good at where I'm at. I don't, I don't, right, I didn't throw all my eggs in stand up. I learned mm-hmm. to, you know, run a bar and shit like that in my free time so uh you know I, I i don't have that catastrophic thing a lot of comics have where they're like i didn't get rich by you know age 29 i have to <laughs> sure, quit this all sure. and you start a fucking uh multi-level marketing scam or something
0: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah
1: i feel like i've been pretty diligent with this shit so uh yeah i know eventually got to a point where like honestly i was living here and i was i loved living in new york and was uh kind of like doing uh you know working and living as a human just on the you know had a real base going of just being alive Mm -hmm. and having a life and then you know kind of got to this place that i feel like a lot of i feel like the healthy place to get with or to get to as like a creative type is this place i was at a few years ago where like you know, you have everything squared away. You could do whatever you wanted. You could start a business. You could settle down. You marry and have kids, or whatever the fuck you want. And then you have, just have this slow burning fucking thing on the side that you, you know, you uh, you don't go, you don't freak out at, and put all your eggs in. You just sort of like trim it like a bonsai tree, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, you are uh, cultivate it. And uh, maybe it takes off. Maybe it doesn't. That I think that that is like, at least in the system in the society we're living in, that's, like, your your best bet, I think, uh, of going about yeah. this. It's a long game, not a fucking... It's a marathon, not a sprint, you know? Yeah. So that's where yeah, I was yeah. at a couple of years ago, but fucking shit popped off, and I'm doing all right now. I'm, like, mm-hmm. mostly a yeah. uh, comedian, or at least I was until this goddamn outbreak happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had fucking, yeah. I fucking real Honestly, I didn't realize how well I was doing until I had to cancel a bunch of dates, and I looked at my calendar. I was like, man, I was, like... I was working. (laughs) Yeah, a year was lining up. I
0: bet. Yeah, that. um, How do you? How do you feel about all that? Like, are you? Has it caused you? I would assume it caused you a fair amount of distress. I mean, it fucking sucks, but uh, I, I, uh,
1: I don't know. I've I've been really feeling my like um, inner hobo since all this shit happened Mm -hmm. because uh, I think I'm definitely (laughs) not as fucked as a lot of people. Like I said, man, I'm real scrappy. I have a lot of ways of surviving. And, uh, I also just, man, I, I I don't know. I come from a different background than a lot of like professional, you know, hesitating to use the word like professional class people, but like, um, you know, people that here's the thing. I was describing starting comedy when it was weird and, uh, it was a lark and I didn't have any Mm -hmm. money and it was a dumb idea. Right. That is a, i have a different Mm -hmm. outlook on this than people that like got out of college and you know it was popular and they went to ucb and they were like this is what you do right so i guess what i'm getting at is like um because i think about this thing a lot differently and i i love stand-up right but i don't think it's important at all (laughs) i think it's like very pretentious and lame (laughs) i think it's like you know the world needs a clown right now like shut up right so (laughs) <laughs> I think for that reason the, the yeah. gravity of not being able to do stand up right now hasn't really hit me. It just isn't important. I, I think once I get like uh-huh. kind of everything squared away and I'm able to like sit down and really think about that, that's going to really bum me out cuz it does suck. I mean I mm-hmm. I wish I could do the thing I love to do right now, but uh yeah, it just kind of seems like uh the world might be about to end and that's a little bit more important <laughs>
0: <laughs> slightly, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit people need doctors right now not jokes um yeah uh that's always been uh, i have a very similar attitude of like we're not making medicine we're not doing you know we're not making policy here we're just trying to amuse people which is important in one way but not as important yeah. um i feel arts and entertainment are always like dessert they're extra it's nice to have I also am
1: not a person who like is going to look at a situation like this and be like, well, I have to make money to like survive the apocalypse. It has to be through comedy or I'm not a comedian, you know? Which I think, I think that's what's going <laughs> yeah, on with a lot yeah. of people right now. With like, you know, I don't have any dates. It's a we'll fucking pick up a brick, dude. Like something, do something, you know? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. you know, I'm making tons of shit right now and I'm uh, pretty hashtag blessed to be, uh, you know, podcasting for some pretty good money right now but um yeah i yeah, yeah i don't know like i'm not even thinking about this sort of shit in terms of like we got to grow the show because the show i'm just like well, thank god this thing's a business right now i'm more <laughs> yeah, concerned yeah i'm concerned with survival and also with like you know this larger existential what the fuck is going to happen to the planet thing and then stand-up is maybe comes in third or fourth
0: mm-hmm yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that's a proper list of priorities. Um, when you're starting off in Austin, you said it was a very small scene, and then it became a lot larger. Um, how did you feel about that as you were watching it grow, and how do you feel about, well, the, the stand-up bubble that has now burst because of the current situation? Um,
1: I mean, honestly, like I think it's really cool. There are people... It's I. You know what? Something I really... Get stuck on with comedians is I just I think this I think this business or this like scene or the art form itself or something really brings out like a lot of the worst in people it uh mm-hmm. you know the like the parable that two, the two wolves are fighting inside of you you ever heard that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it, it feeds the wrong wolf the stand up yeah. thing you know it feeds the one that's insecure and jealous and all this shit and so mm-hmm. I think that a really sad byproduct of that is like yeah alright take a scene like Austin You know, it used to be fucking 30 comedians or something, and um, then, you know, it changed. I mean, stand-up became something that was popular. The comedians of comedy happened, the fucking funny people movie happened, the internet. A new generation kind of, you know, came out of the colleges that was weirder and more connected online and stuff and, uh, you know, a little bit cooler probably than their Gen X elders and uh, mm-hmm. set up this thing where, you know, fuck it, we'll do shows in bars and stuff and uh, there'll be so many of us that they have to book us at clubs and shit like that. And, and like, it just made more comedy happen. And I think that the cynical, uh, like, reaction to that by some older comedians is, like, um you know, oh, they took my thing. It used to be special. I used to be the only person that was allowed to do this, and I had to, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I got all the attention for it or whatever, all the validation or props or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And, uh, you know, you just hear a lot of, like, hemming and hawing over, like, all these new kids, you know? But, like, I mean, look at, like, any art form that that is never a good sign anytime there's an older person that's like these new people like you're fucking you're sinking in the goddamn tar pit you know yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah. like uh i mean a good example that is like <laughs> fucking howard stern a while back i remember listening to this clipper he was just going off about podcasting and he was like these kids yeah. these new kids they don't know how to they don't know how to swing to commercial you know and it's like well you <laughs> bitch they don't need to there's no commercials anymore <laughs>
0: uh, yeah yeah
1: yeah, no, oh, I, think, that's funny. I think it's really cool. And every time I go back to Austin, too, and it's like, like, wake up. Are you a comedian? This is a good thing for you. I mean, every time I go back to that town, yeah. there's a million new people, fucking a bunch of no, and then like there's stage time. So there's like t- tons of places to get on stage and get paid and shit. If you're like looking at this and you're like, well, you know, there's no longer these big headlining jobs or whatever, like, hey that's because of a million other things that are out of your control like the economy and be like yeah. maybe, who care? like who cares it, maybe it was not that valuable of a fucking thing to begin with you know yeah, yeah. it's also cool because these new fuckers yeah. are funny you know <laughs> like I don't I hear the same yeah. Yeah, the same nice. jokes from the same people over and over <laughs> again this is like it's cool man it's cool uh, fuck, it feels great to go watch a show yeah. and see just all sorts of new takes on uh, you know on the art form or whatever
0: yeah yeah that that all makes sense. Um, how'd you start doing podcasting?
1: I'm a comedian, so I have seventy five failed podcasts that <laughs> happened before the yeah, current sure. um I am a fairly like introverted person. I'm kind of a control freak. um uh, I talk to myself mm-hmm. a lot um and I've always liked podcasts because I spend a lot of time alone and I'm also like... Um, I don't know. Time management's kind of important to me. So like, you know, I, I, when like Marin first came out and shit, I remember I got really into it. I was mm-hmm. really interested in what, what was going on there and like would listen to it while, you know, working around the house or like jogging or riding a bike or whatever. And like, um, yeah, I mean, immediately the, the, uh, everything about like the medium of podcasts really appealed to me. Like I liked the the shows themselves i like the fact that you can make the shit yourself because uh you know i am a very anti-gatekeeper and i'm very like yeah diy open the gates lot yeah no don't lock the gates open the gates mark
0: yeah don't lock the gates you better open the gates (laughs)
1: yeah or i'll kill boomer (laughs) um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean like i don't know i i'm you know i'm really into like um like steve albini you know like the the Mm. democratization of the means of production sort of shit yeah Uh, yeah production as in the you know producing music (laughs) or uh that sort of thing but um (laughs) yeah yeah and so like i honestly like i don't know man it's weird because it's such a simple format and some comedians take to it so easily that uh I remember I had a I spent a long time where I was just like a podcast head, and then I thought, okay, I'll st- I mm-hmm. want to start something. This is when I was younger and dumber, and I thought this really mattered. But I was like, I should start something when I have a really good idea, and when uh, you know I'll be able to call in all my favors and sort of push it. And um, you know, so I waited a long time, and then like I tried it a few times. Like I had like a live show I was running pre roast battle that was like just roast battle style thing, mm-hmm. and so like I podcasted that for a while. Didn't really didn't really work you know out that well but i learned like production skills and stuff while i was doing it and um you know had a few of those generic shows where you interview comedians and shit and um yeah then like in new york for a while i was just doing this thing called mr cleo where i was uh reading tarot cards i had people call in and shit it was fun but it didn't it, i feel like it was more of a twitch stream type thing you know sure but, like i yeah. guess what i'm getting at is like um the, uh, approach that I have towards projects like that, especially when they're free to make and like easy is like, um, you just make a ton of shit. Cause what you're doing when you, even mm-hmm. when you, when you fail a bunch of podcasts is you're building like an intuition and like all the little microscopic production skills that's going to take to eventually make the one that like actually hits and, um, yeah, I mean, I just did that shit forever, and then, you know, I also had, like, multiple shows running, and, um, you know, I mean, I, f- I feel like, <laughs> I try to give this advice to people and no one wants to hear it, but it worked for me, man, it's just, you just, it's a long game, you just have tons of shit going yeah. all the time, and, uh, you know, for me, I had a show about politics and shit that I was interested in, because I, I, I made it, because I just had, I needed an outlet, I didn't want to keep yelling on Facebook at people, I wanted to, like learn shit every week and talk to my friends about it and then you know boom there's a easy concept for a show and uh it just happened to be running while i went viral for homeland security coming into my place and then i went hey like check Mm -hmm. out my thing and then bam there you go suddenly a shit ton of people subscribe to it and then now we have a base of operations like now we're making money and it's like it's not a grift, it's not like a fucking cheap thing, it's not <laughs> yeah. a fucking like trick. I mean, it's, it's literally just if you want to exist within this system that we're all working in, you know, you kind of just have to like wait until opportunities come along and then you know try to seize them as best you can. And uh, you know, also that the thing is, you have to you're gonna fail at that a bunch of times too. I mean, I When this shit happened, I knew exactly what was happening because I've had like a number of like big break type things in my career, Mm -hmm. which every comic will fucking tell you, oh, I almost got on, you know, some TV show and something didn't happen. I feel like you're going to fuck up a few of those, but that's practice for when like the next time a big opportunity happens, you know, like how to go into bullet time and, you know, make every single Mm -hmm. thing lock into place and then turn into a situation that you're happy with where you have a, a thing that you like to make, you know? so, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like I got there with pod and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty happy with how that played out. Good. The, the <laughs> outbreak is annoying, but I mean, that show is still functioning during mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So like, I feel like as, as I'm always like angry and like, uh, you know, people think I'm like a, a fucking dour downer or whatever, but I look looking at my career yeah, yeah. on a timeline, I know, this is a relative success, I think. You know, I'm just angry at yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. the way things should work in my mind, I guess.
0: So, you mentioned that you're like a kind of a control freak, and does it, do you think that's born out of like anxiety?
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, <laughs> It's, uh, you know, comedians are all, are all neurotic messes and, like, mm-hmm. to some extent, I feel like every comedian I know is, like, is somebody who's too neurotic to survive and that yet somehow has figured out this one, like, skill to just, you know, sort of uh, center all those neuroses around. I know people that are like... <laughs> Like I don't know how the fuck they feed or clothe themselves, but they can write a goddamn joke. And sure. so, you know
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah somehow this <laughs> yeah. is
1: working. Um They're naked and starving,
0: but fine. Yeah.
1: And I feel like that's definitely one of my things. I have a hard time collaborating. I can do it, but um I don't know, I I, I definitely take things personally and uh get frustrated when I feel like I'm being like uh boxed out of shit or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, that's why I'm a fucking stand-up to begin with, I think, is because one thing that's appealing about doing stand-up is you go on the stage and then for at least for that few minutes you just get to talk and no one interrupts you and you get, I'm like a long winded person. Like I love telling like long stories where there's like a big punchline at the end and like, but that's not how people talk in real life. So I, they get cut (laughs) off all the time and I get pissed off and I'm like, God, you fucking don't understand. You just, there was this great ending to this thing coming, you know? Um, so so Mm -hmm. I'm walking around in my everyday life like that, like just pissed off that I can't get the Mm -hmm. end to a long story out that is, you know, going to be this great, huge thing. That's why I do stand up because it, it's like you go mm-hmm. to a club or a bar or whatever and they people have to let you get to the end of that fucking story right um mm-hmm. so i think that's just kind of the way my mind works creatively and then with um yeah with podcasting i mean it, yeah you you make the whole thing yourself and uh you know people people still yell at you but they yell at you via twitter or comments <laughs> or whatever and yeah you sure. to listen to it if you don't want to <laughs> uh yeah i mean i don't yeah. know i like to fine-tune things and at least feel as though I got
0: my point across. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, a lot of that frustration, like, it's not so much anxiety or fear, it's a annoyance or agitation, then you would say.
1: Yeah. Then I you mean,
0: can't get these ideas out.
1: Yeah. I think it's definitely that. And I think if I was a healthier person, that I probably wouldn't feel that way as much. But, you know, there's only so much you can do.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you mean by healthier?
1: I don't know. I mean, um, like uh i mean there are limitations like you're just you're never going to be a perfectly like zen person or whatever but i look at that sort of shit <laughs> and i do recognize it as like a pattern in like fights i get in with like you know friends and partners and stuff like that and uh i i am like um i don't know i'm always somewhere between looking at flaws that I have, and then going, okay, do I either try to fix this, like a uh, like a person that goes to the therapy or something, or sublimate mm-hmm. it, which is what the creative type person does, is go, you know, all right, I have to have this thing about myself. Uh, I fucking, you know, need an outlet for these long-winded stories I have. Okay, well, I'll do stand-up comedy. I'll make podcasts and stuff. I mean, that's, to me, that was the mm. original, that, that was my original approach to sort of just dealing with, uh, you know, these sort of parts of my personality that aren't entirely compatible with, uh, you know, I don't know, just everyday life or whatever. So, I don't know. I don't sure. know if I want to fix it.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, maybe, like, there's nothing to be fixed either. Like, you know, like you're saying, you've built a career off of it. Well, I definitely... I, that's the thing of, like, I,
1: I feel like there are a lot of comedians, especially in, like, L.A., that are, like they they come mm-hmm. to these same realizations for the same reasons I have cuz like stand up is very you know um navel-gazy you're very like involved in your yeah. inner world and self-examination but i feel like a lot of those people get really into like new age bullshit and they're like i'm going to sure. fix everything and become like the ultimate human through transcendental meditation and shit and mm-hmm. um you know like fine <laughs> i, just, I, I I don't know, I don't quite think that that's possible or even really reasonable you're not gonna become yeah. doctor Manhattan, you might as well just like live with yourself,
0: yeah, 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 I mean, I feel like, and I'd like to hear your opinion about this, like the m- best art is generally made uh when you get out of your own way or you kind of accept what's going on. What do you think,
1: yeah, yeah, I definitely like that, um. Yeah, I mean, there is something about, like, uh, you know, whatever the fuck is at the core of art that we enjoy about um, it being transmitted from one person's mind to the other, where, like, you can tell when it's bullshit. You like when it's Mm -hmm. truth. That's what makes it feel good and feel stimulating. So, like, in order to transmit the truth, you have to stop bullshitting yourself as a creator. People can tell when you're, like you said, like, in your own way, when you're, uh, you know, not just letting the thing come out of you the way it naturally wants to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I think, you were pretty open about how you went through a major depressive episode, um, like, last year. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, totally.
0: I mean, yeah. you know,
1: I... What led to that? Um, fucking so much shit, man. I, the last few years <laughs> of my life have been sure. crazy. And, like, I don't know, I get people all the time that are, like you know, worried or like, they're just like, you're fucking crazy. You're having a meltdown, all this shit. And like, I think I'm going to cite being an older comedian here to explain this. Cause like, you know, I, I learned <laughs> sure. a lot of like, uh, <laughs> a lot of my skills, I guess during like the era of Mark Maron and shit like that. And like, you know, I don't know, navel-gazy, like, emo and post-punk music and stuff. There was a time in this country's great history when uh, it was very celebrated to be open and uh, to examine your inner world, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that and then also just having started stand-up, like, with literally zero, like, friends and acquaintances outside of it um i think put me in a situation where i'm kind of yeah. an open book i don't give a shit i'll talk to you about you know depression and suicide and all that stuff i think it's fucking interesting and mm-hmm. i like i've just talked to enough people to where i know everyone is this fucked up so i don't feel like embarrassed or weird or anything um <laughs> so uh yeah yeah i mean that's you know kind of why i was talking about it and I, the only reason i was talking about it is because like it's shit's interesting and if you if you write about that sort of shit enough you will come up with like jokes and uh angles and just observations and stuff and uh i'm not gonna keep a fucking journal i mean twitter is good because it's interactive and you know you get responses on shit so i yeah i'd fucking go off on it a lot <laughs> um and i guess like i was talking about that a lot yeah. last year because like i mean yeah I, I just had like uh just like five or six huge life-changing things happen at the same time uh in like the end of uh what i guess like 2017 like a mm-hmm. couple of different friends died you know one of them was like a suicide went through a like really bad <laughs> breakup with somebody yeah. that i was like you know just moved in with and like we were talking about getting married and shit and uh yeah just yeah. like a like and then like you know my friend that's on my podcast with me died and like uh you know that was at the end of like a like 4 month tour it was just bananas dude like i definitely just felt overwhelmed and like broken and was just like uh completely unable to deal with uh, a lot of the shit that was going on so you know i don't know i just sort of like uh stewed in it and wrote about it and stuff because it felt oh wow just really intense and um i don't know man i mean all of Mm. last year was just crazy and i just got i just remember like kind of um I kind of felt like yeah, that, that sounds like a lot. You remember that special Tig Notaro did? Not to compare whatever the fuck I went through to that, but like when she talked about having cancer and she just got, talked about like God like throwing more and more shit on her. Um, <laughs> you know, it is like funny. It's like a you know, you know, gallowsish sort of way. It is really funny to feel like that, like overwhelmed and just like um incredulous at like fate itself like you just can't believe (laughs) that like (laughs) another thing would happen every time it happens you know and um last year was a really weird year because like that all was happening but at the same time i was Mm -hmm. touring like a lot and getting like a lot of uh like i was you know on paper everything was working out the show was taking off and like touring was going really well and so i just felt like you know, really like crazy because I was, uh, you know, this two things were kind of just juxtaposed yeah. to each other at all times. Um, <laughs> and then there yeah. was just all this fucking internet drama with like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> all of the people that I am associated with in this stupid podcast scene a lot of weird shit happened there. I, 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 I don't know. All my other friends are, you know, they're all very mm-hmm. fucked up themselves, so, like, not even trying to put myself at the center of the universe here. Um, I'm kind of worried about everyone's mental health during all this shit. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it really, like, last year was so funny, because it was just like, it was like that the whole time, and then at the end of the year... Louis J. Gomez came and tried to fight me at a comedy
0: club. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about that. Like, what a way to top it off. Yeah,
1: and I just remember thinking like, man this is so, because it was like the end of the year. It was the day after Christmas and I was just like yeah, of course. Like, let's just fucking let's just bang this goddamn year out. (laughs) Of course. Of course. uh, Yeah, I don't know, man. And what's really funny about that is that like, I was, I just, I couldn't believe that happened. I thought it was, you know incredible and weird and it really put like a bow on the end of this what I thought was the end of a bunch of really bad shit happening and uh, so mm-hmm. I just sort of like you know drank and just sort of st- you know just stewed in it and had, just fucked off for the rest of last year you know the the week between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's or whatever and then I got really into like the whole new year new me thing in January and was uh, you know relatively sober working a lot getting a lot of exercise making mm-hmm. a lot of money all this cool shit was happening and um you know i was like really sticking with it and uh you know and this goddamn coronavirus outbreak happened <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i mean
1: yeah, like, yeah. i still feel fine like, i'm not like i'm, I'm <laughs> very much still in like self-improvement mode but at, against mm-hmm. this now
0: <laughs> yeah it's a little bit more tricky just a yeah.
1: little Yeah, <laughs> you know I, like I always just feel yeah. like i'm out of step with whatever's happening like to the world Sure, like, 2016 was the greatest year of my life which is just so weird to think about because what was happening was yeah. the worst shit ever at least up until that point mm. and then like yeah now it's sort of just happening again I think I'm just like cosmically opposed <laughs> such to such
0: a nonconformist yeah. that it's on a mon- molecular level <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude. It's like my (laughs) soul or something. Sure.
0: So when you were going through that rough period, you were writing about it, but but were you doing anything else to, like, try to combat how you were feeling? Um, yeah, I
1: don't know, man. I mean, not really, like, uh... (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was self-medicating a lot. I was just, like, drinking a Mm. lot and shit. I had a pretty bad coke habit. And, um... Mm -hmm. I think uh, I was doing a lot of that shit because I felt really overwhelmed. And then I was also getting work, like, on the road and stuff. So I think I was pushing Mm -hmm. back a lot. Like, I remember just kind of having a lot of conversations with people last year where I was like, listen, as soon as I get back from Tucson, you know, then I'm going to do all this stuff or whatever. And then I sort of, like, near the end of the year started (laughs) to realize, like, well, that's just an infinite cycle if I keep getting road work and can't somehow figure out how to, like, uh, you know, maintain my sanity during road work. Um, which is a thing that I was getting really close to, to I think, and then road work stopped being a thing. So I'll never know. Because uh, I I think I, was, <laughs> I was trying to compartmentalize real hard last year. Like I was like spending a yeah. lot of time Doing really healthy shit at home and like, mm-hmm. uh, just working and being really diligent, and then going like, okay, when I get a one nighter in Pittsburgh, I'll go crazy because that's like part of the deal, you know. You get paid yeah. in booze and and, and and money, you know. Um, but you're performing at a bar, everyone wants to hang out with you. There's a free hotel. What do you, you know? Like, I always mm-hmm. I have a hard time like not drinking when I'm working as a comic because uh. Not only because I like drinking, but, like, also because, like, I mean, you get paid so little and part of it is in this commodity, this thing that has, yeah. you know, like calories. I mean, like, you know, just I, you're not <laughs> going to fuck me out of my fucking pay, you know. So I always feel like I yeah. I need to take advantage of that. And um, I just fucking—I really don't want to become a sober comedian that like gives their drink tickets away. Which I understand why there are so many of them. It's a really cruel system, and it like it really puts you in a situation where you have to do that eventually. But like, it just feels like you're giving away something free, and I do not. It does not come naturally to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I understand. As someone who is one of those comedians, like I fully understand every time I'm like. what do i do here <laughs> um and the answer is always i get a soda the bartender looks at me funny and i move on with my life yeah no, i know
1: really...
0: um, yeah um but do you think you have like an issue vis-a-vis like substance abuse or do you think you're just like uh you, you use it as a crutch sometimes
1: i don't know i'm trying to figure that out right now because like i've mm-hmm. made so much of like a brand out of drinking because I sure. am like a crusty punk and a bartender and uh, from uh-huh. fucking Austin and uh, you know the regularity which I drink definitely has something to do with you know I used to work in bars I was pretty bad mm-hmm. for that um, and, uh, and stand of itself too and I think that like um, because I play it up so much it definitely appears to be um i easily look at someone like me and go that's an alcoholic i think but like Mm -hmm. um i take breaks now and then and like right now i'm not drinking or smoke cigarettes or anything i had food poisoning at the beginning of the pandemic and like am uh i don't know i'm just like quarantining with people who are kind of more chill and stuff and uh i don't really know like I, I just sort of just decided, all right, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. Like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I'm really at a place where I feel like quitting. But, like, this has been really interesting because, like, um, I did want to kind of get my head around, like, what was going on. Because um, I did have really bad habits. Like, I, I don't think I really have that bad of a drinking habit. I But the problem I have is that if I get drunk enough, I doing Coke sounds fun. And then I always regret sure. it. And so mm-hmm. that's one of those things where you're like, well... <laughs> I mean, if that's how it plays out, then you just have to stop doing the thing that leads to that. Yeah. Um, and I also... The other thing with drinking with me is that uh, I've made great like strides in setting up my self-employed life in a certain way to make it to where it isn't a problem because, you know, like addiction is often defined by you know well are you late for work do you you know fuck up yeah you have relationships that get fucked up with your family and all this and if you don't have any of that shit well then it by definition is not you know um Mm -hmm. but like i don't know i mean i'm I'm having a pretty good time like not doing anything right now because i am realizing well if i do drink again then like uh i know how you know how much better like my work day goes when I'm not hungover or whatever. Um so I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to just do my own like I really like not have to subscribe to like one of the textbook like handbook things that people use for this sort mm-hmm. of shit which mm-hmm. are great and fine and I everyone should, you know, who needs uh who gets something out of AA should use AA, but um I went to an AA meeting just to kind of see what it was like and to see, you know, sure. if it like spoke to me a while back and honestly I think it didn't and I have like a few yeah. a few friends who are kind of famous sober people who are famously that they, they don't thought they don't like AA but they're like this didn't work for me and yeah I talked to them and I, I talked to a few of my friends about it and I think I really um I get where they're coming from like my friend John Rabin was talking to me about it the other day and he said like um yeah if you think you're smarter than AA then you will not be able to use AA. it's just that's just the yeah. flat out truth of it if that's where you're coming from and um that might be where i am but mostly like <laughs> sure. i i feel like i was like i've been since i've been like seriously thinking about this sort of stuff and like since i went and like you know uh listen to people talk in this meeting i think the more I'm, i my suspicions are that i am not actually an alcoholic i'm just a fucking comedian bartender person that doesn't mm-hmm. smoke pot or have any of these other outlets and shit and just like heavily mm-hmm. you know it just it comes up a lot because like i've been sober for a couple weeks and i'm not really i don't have cravings i don't have withdrawals i don't i haven't even thought about smoking a cigarette this whole time um you know this it doesn't really bother me i'm just i'm just kind of bored <laughs> and like sure. i I'm, i think at the end of this you know i would like to have a beer because it just sounds nice but like um, yeah you know, but uh it doesn't sound like something I—I don't—I have problem drank before. Like I've gotten stressed out mm-hmm. and then had like a panic attack and then just like threw a bunch of booze on it, and that's bad. I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. You know, but I do want to have like a six pack with my friends and play video games or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I guess I think this is this whole thing is figuring out whether you can do that, and uh you know, if it turns out you can't, uh, it's when it's quitting time. You're old. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Sure. You've also posited it like previously that you might have an underlying sort of like mental health issue. You're like, you've speculated um, about it, but you haven't received like any sort of formal diagnosis. Uh, Is there a reason for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, part of that is just fucking access. Um, Sure. (laughs) Like, I, you know, had Medicaid and then was like, you know, it it got reset while I was on tour, and then there's all this paperwork you have to do to get back on, and then this mm-hmm. goddamn outbreak thing happened, and like, you know, also up until this, like, life is really busy if you're, you know, if you're a normal, <laughs> if you have a regular job, but also if you're self-employed and you're having to scrap all this shit together all day. So um, I always feel like there's kind of this uh, paradoxical thing with getting that sort of help, where like well, if I was put together enough to get all this paperwork done and then go to therapy, I wouldn't fucking need therapy, you know? Um, Sure. So that's sort of like one reason that I think that's just been by the wayside a lot. But another reason is that, like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, uh, you know, having studied this sort of shit a little bit, um, psychology is, you know, what I was studying when I was in college before I dropped out, and I also just, like, have a lot of – Um, experience with people with mental illness and it runs my family and shit to me, it kind of seems like, um, you know, this is not a hard science. And so you know, that is not to, to say that these things are not like real diagnosable things, but they are malleable to some extent. Like if I wanted to prove to people that I had bipolar disorder, I could go to a, therapist and get them to diagnose me by describing shit you know what i mean yeah so like it kind of doesn't really matter to me whether you have a little stamp of approval or whatever it's pretty Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty clear uh to me at least it runs in my family it's a very um hereditary thing and uh i experience mania and depression so you know mm, I don't, I don't there I, you go <laughs> if, if i find out that, that i don't have you know bipolar then i just okay well i have that i don't know what the fuck that is but i have it you know yeah um yeah and you know like i said like it's a, I'm a pretty open book about it because like I, I, everyone has shit like this like literally everyone mm-hmm. it's there's no, no such thing as a normal person so like i don't for whatever reason that stigma is never really jumped out to me because um yeah it just seems like it's such complete bullshit the such a facade (laughs) the idea that like there is a normal you know that we're all supposed to be presenting ourselves as having
0: yeah yeah you said um you it runs in your family uh can you speak to that experience yeah i mean
1: um i think uh it's definitely on like my mom's side of the family. Uh, I remember like a few relatives, like my uncle Rusty. I think was diagnosed with it, and you know was kind of a wacko. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's, like, <laughs> I mean, my, both my parents' you know, and like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't think that they're formally diagnosed with anything, but I also, you know, like I'm saying, like have this understanding of psychology or whatever that like, uh, that, that, that doesn't mean anything <laughs> there's, you know, there's definitely yeah. something going on there that you could, uh, put a label on if you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they're just crazy people and, uh, you know, there were, I mean, there was like a lot of fighting and stuff in my house growing up and shit. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's abnormal or normal. I don't think those things really exist, but it definitely, Um, I've definitely been able to trace some things like back to, or at least come up with some pet theories of like, uh, okay, like this, you know, particular obsessive compulsive thing that I have seems like it came from, you know, X, Y, or Z thing from, you know, my family growing up or whatever. Mm Um, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there's... Uh, this is like a, a also like a common observation in the world of comedians though, like everyone's family is like this, right? Everyone's just, this group <laughs> yeah, of people yeah. that you've been observing closely for your entire life. If you don't look at them and see all their glaring fucking weird flaws and you're not really paying that well yeah. attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think also like not getting formally diagnosed. I mean like, unless it, would help you in any way it doesn't seem to be like i kind of agree with what you're saying of like similar to the the whole alcoholism thing of like if it's if it's not going to help you why do it like unless you're going to start like a treatment plan and you think you need to get on medication and see therapy like yeah i'm a little
1: skeptical about like medicine but um you know but not like not entirely. I'm not like somebody who's like, oh, I would never try it, but i just, I don't know, I've tried like antidepressants here mm-hmm. and there, and like I, may, I don't know, I haven't made up my mind about it. I don't know if I really like <laughs> uh, I haven't found anything that makes me feel like those people that are like it
0: changed my life, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, and like if you don't find it, you don't find it, and if you're functional like, unfortunately, the marker of any of this, of like any mental illness is, can you function in society? Or are you just, you know, and weird? Or are you like dysfunctional? And that's one of the frustrations with it in general, because you can label any behavior mentally ill, because that's how we, you know, define it. The barometer is kind of inherently external. And that's frustrating, because if you're prescribing like internal pain do you, you understand yeah, no, exactly what, I'm getting what you're
1: getting at and that's why i'm so skeptical about this sort of shit because like uh yeah because the the concept of like mental health as we think of it is actually you know how good of a little worker bee are you um that uh mm-hmm. i think because if you're if you are indeed a worker bee and you work at a bu- place with a bunch of people it can be very convincing because you can be like we well, see the person next to you do you like look how they're functioning you could function like them right but um you know we are naturally going to become iconoclasts in this situation because um i've as a person as a like a person who's built a you know career and like a way of living and stuff am actively challenging like functioning like uh the question of what functioning is you know i don't have to do nine to five shit so now the, if we understand mental health to be a question of whether you function or dysfunction, well, then it is a question of, for mm-hmm. me specifically, whether I function in the job that I have or in the life that I'm living, right? And so yeah. that means it's not a universal thing at all, but which means universal solutions to these problems are probably not a good way of going about them because, uh, you know, I fucking mm-hmm. a drug that might make me if I was living a different life function in the way I need to in order to work at a thing and then have like the family that I would have or whatever might not it might do the exact same thing to my brain me living this life over here but that would not cause the same results you know so um yeah, yeah I don't know I mean that's like that's kind of also why I'm like a little hesitant to uh to buy into this because like yeah I mean you know what it's like um I feel like we're going to look back on stuff and kind of have the same feeling we have like when um are in Mad Men when like um what's her face the 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 the, the Scientology lady goes to the doctor Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Peggy there she's yeah. like trying to get birth control and they're like, you know, they're all sexist and yeah. it's all of the times and they're like um you know Mm -hmm. well you're gonna behave yourself or whatever all that horrible shit all that stuff that looks so obviously like misogynistic and patriarchal to us now well I mean what that doctor was doing was using this this diagnostic that we're talking about the function dysfunction thing just according to the values of society Mm -hmm. and so when we watch that scene we should understand oh right this is not actually the way to decide whether something is morally right or wrong right
0: absolutely Yeah, I think a lot of it also From my understanding of mental health is like is the internal component of like Dysfunction is generally a result of internal dysfunction And if you're in some sort of cycle that is negative Or like you're in some sort of emotional pain or mental pain like that will affect your productivity quote-unquote but so I think the more important thing is how are you functioning internally and focusing on like how you can better yourself that way, and then the rest of the stuff will follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Yeah,
0: because it is like, because then you're not like using someone else's measuring stick, you know? Um, and capitalism is kind of like you were saying, inherently flawed of like, look how productive and like how Protestant, or how Protestant of a work ethic I have. <laughs> And that's definitely something I've fallen into. Yeah, you know? I feel like
1: also though, like you can actually, ha- like, get to a place where your inner self is functioning correctly and it's happy and productive, and but that is still incompatible with capitalism, just because. Just... Oh, for and that's, sure. That's, <laughs> that's the really sad thing is when you're like a young, <laughs> you know, fucking bright, shiny person with. Sparkles in your eyes, and then you have to go get a job, and that's the first time they beat you down <laughs> and go, like, No, 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 yeah. you can't be like this. You have to, uh, you know, you have yeah. to form into this little mold or whatever. But that,
0: yeah, which I was just gonna go say ahead.
1: that. I mean, that has to happen to everyone at some point, and like it's really tragic, you know, the, the first time that happens in your life, but it sets a precedent for the rest of your life where you kind of understand, like, okay, I have to rein in parts of myself in order to fit in this thing
0: absolutely and that's why like I've job hopped so much I've had so many jobs because I've tried to find one that like fits into not only like just time-wise pursuing all the things I'm pursuing on the side artistically but also like something that allows me to have my personality and no one feels like you know terrible about it or uncomfortable yeah man I feel like I
1: did the same thing and also I feel really lucky that it's worked out at all because a lot of people uh like not everyone can do this it doesn't it wouldn't work Mm -hmm. if literally (laughs) we told everyone in society like find the job that works for you even though that's that's what they tell you you know that's a you know gonna be on like a LinkedIn ad or whatever (laughs) but like it literally can't happen for everyone yeah uh, so I do have like a kind of a modicum of guilt about that because like um, I feel like I did it and uh, I feel like not everyone's going to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I do with this other than try to try to make it more possible for other people. Yeah. And that's why I'm a fucking, you know, insane utopian socialist or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and it is like not everyone's going to has the privilege of feeling fulfilled by their job. And I think a lot of people are at a point where they like think that is a job requirement whereas like this, that's just like never been the case for like 90% of people and that's unfortunate. Yeah I
1: mean I think I think um for and this is honestly like what I'm about to describe is how I lived for a mm-hmm. long time um, I think that what you should do if if you don't have the job that has that magic component to it which is that you feel fulfilled by it which is a really rare thing, the way you should live is uh, you should completely divorce yourself from your job and understand that it is just the thing that you have to do Mm -hmm. in order to do all the other things you want to do. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's like a cool way of going about things. I think it's an admirable. I think it's smart. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's in direct opposition to, like, the LinkedIn ad I was just talking yeah. about and, like, all this late capitalism shit where they're trying to convince you, like, nah, man, work at Etsy. We have a golf course inside, you know? <laughs> and, like, there's a movie theater and shit. And you never have to leave. And, like, uh, no, 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 that that's shit sucks. Like, we should actually, I don't know. I, I envision a world where, like, work is at least like um laid bare and like doesn't bullshit you and it's Mm. just like you know (laughs) i mean i've had jobs like that where they're just like listen you know fucking do the thing and then fuck off no one cares (laughs) and i think that's like way more healthy and way you know uh yeah like health like it's like more fulfilling in a weird way Mm -hmm. than uh you know than the bullshit um you know, all the corporate Banksy stuff where you have to sing a song before you go work at Walmart and shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, I remember I was working at a a jazz club and a lot of uh, my coworkers are getting really worked up about, like, how we were treated. And they're like, why aren't you mad? And it's like, because I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you say you don't care, but you really do. But Whereas I don't care. I don't care how I do this job. I just need the money. Like... I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, um, what would your biggest piece of advice be for someone who's trying to find that work health balance?
1: Um, I guess the way I did it is um, kind of what I was just talking about. Like mm-hmm. just with understanding that a job is just a fucking job and finding something that you can maybe um not have to take home with you for that reason mm-hmm. that sort of shit that sort of work will like free up the limited amount of resources you have in your fucking soul essentially in order to uh you know to sort of diligently c- cultivate the other thing and um i don't know at least what worked for me was having some bullshit job that i knew was just for fucking bread and then just having like just a low fucking boil going at all times with you know projects on the side Mm -hmm. and making sure that there were projects that i liked that weren't just like a lottery ticket you know yeah um You'll give up on something if you're cynical about it. If you're just like, ah, what's popular? Okay, we'll do this thing because it's popular, and then hopefully it fucking takes off. I mean, you might win. Like, that happens. Yeah, People win cynically off stuff like that. But you won't give up if you just actually believe in, like, a, a side project you're doing, right? And then what I did forever was slowly kind of become able to monetize comedy and shit like that. And, um, you know, for years, I remember I had the same conversation every Thanksgiving with some fucking, you know, uncle or whatever. It was like, so what's New York like? What do you what's your what do you do or whatever? I'd always tell him, like, you know, make about half my money off my day job and then half off of freelancing and doing all this other shit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then I would just tell him, like the goal is just to tip those scales a little bit more every day to where it goes from half and half to 51%, 49%. And the next day it goes, you know, 48% until the job disappears. And that's just, that's the old, that's a pretty, if you think about it in those terms, it's a very simple goal. It's you know, Sisyphean, it's if you, you're just moving one big boulder, mm-hmm. but if you can get it over the fucking edge, mm-hmm. then you're done, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it feels simultaneously to say, like, that's like, that it's a ridiculous thing that you think you could become a comedian or something like that. But also, if you think about it that simply, then it's, uh, I think that it, for me, it put it into really achievable terms. And, like, also, you know, other important part to that, um, to that whole situation is that like it also doesn't matter if you get it. Like if you live like that, if you can live like that, like I was happy during that time in my life. Yeah. You know, I was like bartending like three days a week, and then also doing like comedy and shit. It's fucking fine. If I had if I had died 2016, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like <laughs> you know was looking back at my life in the you know the, when it goes before your eyes or whatever, yeah. I w- I remember thinking like this would be. Pr- I feel pretty good about that. That was a pretty good run. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like. There's some sort of like centeredness to that. Yeah. You know, Um, don't think about things in terms of plateaus, you know, because like uh, you never really get to the plateau or the mirage or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to set things up in a way where you enjoy the process of getting to the end of the line that you might not ever get to.
0: It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. And I want to thank you very much for coming on and uh, sharing this time.
1: With me oh no problem I've nothing but time right now <laughs>
0: <laughs>